We're halfway well, there. Our tenth episode of stories. You mean? Yes. Or yeah. Not yep, including yep, yep. our mini ones. Not. Yep. Yep. Got not it. including tenth full episode. Wow. We're halfway there. Halfway. We're half, halfway to the initial goal, right? <laughs> to succeeding. To not failing. <laughs> yeah, we saw like that stat or whatever that was <sighs> basically like you gotta get twenty one. You know, mm-hmm. record 21 episodes, keep yep. going, be consistent, whatever, right? So yep. we're doing it. We're doing the damn Just thing. like how most businesses fail within their first year of opening, most podcasts fail before they get to their 21st episode. Yes. We're chugging along, Absolute. guys. Well, welcome back. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sophie. And this is Sophie's Choice Murders and Mysteries. What do we have this week? This week... Oh my god. Okay, this one was a fucking doozy because oh, I had to translate. A doozy. <laughs> yeah, the translation was really hard. Okay, so Sophie's Choice this week is a case that started as a mysterious missing persons case, but over 10 years later would be better known as the Una Ser Ima or the Oven Murder. <gasps> oven? This also, one. Also, what was that? Spanish? Uh, Finnish. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was so wrong. Espanol. Espanol. No, Gabby. This one's crazy. Okay, so with the Montesi case, like, I feel like a lot of people who are super into true crime know all the big ones. So, like, JonBenet Ramsey for us here. Like, Mm -hmm. the Dingo Ate My Baby for Australia. Like, the fucking yellow rain jacket cannibal dude from Japan. Like, I feel like there are a lot of big cases from all over the world that most people do know. Right. But the Montesi case, which was our Italy case we covered a few weeks ago, and this case, both super minimal information. I've never heard of them. And I was just like, I've never heard of them. And that's why I have to fucking do them. Yeah. So fucking, this one's crazy, guys. I would really like to preface this week's story with simply stating that Finland is a very, very, very low motor murder rate like low mur- motor <laughs> low motor rate <laughs> they have a very 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 low murder rate like okay. two people a year are murdered here which compared to us in the states just last year we had almost fifteen thousand murders oh it's not funny but i know just. like just in comparison like finland's like we might do a murder once Maybe twice a year. And Texas alone had 2,064 murders just on its own, which they like their guns. They like their weapons. And it's also a very large state. That's hilarious. Followed by North Carolina with 928. Then Ohio. Sorry, Gab. Oh, I don't care. I hate Ohio. (laughs) Michigan and then Georgia. The lowest states are Hawaii with six. Vermont. Then North Dakota and New Hampshire tied with 14. Woo! They're too drunk. They're no, not, or they're happy on no the No fucking people in North Dakota. And then Wyoming with 17. So huge fucking difference here. Wow. Finland must have significantly less. Finland hot, and Hawaii have hot-headed. something in common. They're chill. People are happy. Yeah. It's like in Legally Blonde when it's like, when you work out, you get endorphins. I forgot about that. <laughs> I look. We should go back to going to the gym together. Uh, yeah, I haven't worked out. It's, it's been not great. Mini hustlers, I'm not hustling. Sorry. I'm not hustling. <laughs> Mini hustlers, I've never hustled. But Gabby makes me hustle a little bit better when we go together. <laughs> so I don't just walk on the treadmill when we go together. Sometimes Sir, we uh, <laughs> Finland, like many other countries, uses the euro as its official currency. It has two official languages, Finnish and Swedish. Although about 63% of the population also speak English. Part of the gathering that makes up the Nordic country or Scandinavian roots, as most people would know. It's often noted for its great beauty, the world's best northern light show, and as being the, I thought you would love this, the land of a thousand lakes. Aw, that's cute. Only a thousand? Uh, they actually have 187,888. <laughs> 
what they're called. I just thought it was cute because I was like, Minnesota, we're the land of 10,000 lakes. Oh, it is cute. But that's crazy. They have that many lakes. It's so I tiny know. there. What? It's... Like the landmass is tiny. Right. Finland. And they, well, I feel like some people would say, no, Minnesota. Like the joke before I moved here was like. No, but I mean, like, it might be bigger than Minnesota. I don't know. But like, is a good Minnesota has like, what? 10, 10 at least 10,000. We have like 12, 11, 12,000. Whereas Finland, how big are you? How big? How big are you? Is Finland? It's almost the size of Germany. It's slightly smaller than Montana. Okay, so it's bigger than you, uh, Minnesota. Hmm. Interesting. Right? Okay. Montana's bigger than Minnesota. Yes. Yep. I mean, okay, but that's still that's, that's a lot. lot. Hundred thousand lakes. lakes. Is that what you said? 187,000, almost 190,000. The math ain't mathing in my brain, but that's okay. That When I first moved here, I was going to say, or was about to move here, when I took that marketing job, people were like, one to 10,000 lakes, more like 10,000 puddles. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> I, I felt indifferent about it. Um, okay. <laughs> I come from a land that's called the Granite State, okay? Live free or die hard. That's not really... <laughs> It's not really exciting. Finland has the world's highest annual consumption of milk in the world, which I thought Maggie would be very, very happy here based on that fact alone. Girl drinks milk. She oh, not breaking no. bones anytime Sophie, soon. You say milk too. Weird. I've been Ugh. told that before. Milk. You say milk with an e. Milk. 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 <laughs> Am I doing it right? Yeah. That girl drinks. Milk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> correct. Milk. I'm not only, milk. I'm only gonna say it like that from here on out. Oh, perfect. The correct way. Sorry. <laughs> instead of two percent, can I get oh milk? <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite thing about Finland has to be the fact that the average Finn consumes twelve kilograms or four hundred twenty-three ounces of coffee a year, which it says that's the highest in the world. But I had to put this in perspective because Gab and I love Starbies. So I, now that, I mean, even before I was a college student again for the third fucking time in my life, I drink a minimum of three venti coffees a week. Okay. So if they're each 20 ounces, there are 52 weeks in a year. That means me, myself, just as a chunky American consumer of Starbucks coffee, I'm drinking 3,120 ounces of coffee a okay, year. Okay, how many? What? A Finn drinks 423 ounces a year i'm drinking 3000 <laughs> so they're saying that's a lot they're or... saying that's one of the highest in the world that they do but i'm over here like <laughs> uh yeah homies i drink co at least a double shot of espresso oh okay i was like and i get an like extra shot in everything that i order so I, like i'm just like i have coffee every single fucking day i'm i can't live without coffee and that's my minimum i did the math for my minimum like lately i've been having a coffee Four, every day except for sunday ounces a year that's it no that's me i drink a minimum of three 20 ounce coffees a yeah a but week. you did the math and you're like that's like three thousand something right yeah strong espresso i don't you know. think they're just doing like the two shots of espresso over yeah, ice or whatever maybe, maybe they're not doing like lattes and like mm. mochas and shit Maybe okay. they're just drinking straight. Like, that's just straight the I had a coworker part. who would just do two shots of espresso over ice. No sugar, no nothing, no. Yeah, um, I've done that before. I get the shakes. before. Yeah, like, yes. I'm doing drugs. <laughs> before the gym. I also used to do, like, cel like have Celsius before the gym. One time I fucking threw up at the gym. Because no! I had so much caffeine. <laughs> I literally threw up so Maybe they're talking like straight espresso for their consumption. When not I just did like what drip coffee or like sure. lattes. Sure. When I did what my coworker had done, you should have seen me because we have the little trays where we like fill the, the prescriptions. I was like, you guys, I'm coming so fast. I'm filling all these prescriptions so fast. <laughs> and my pharmacist kind of like side-eyed me and she's like, you filled five prescriptions in 15 minutes. Calm down. <laughs> like I was like, I was literally so shaky. I was like, look at me. I'm so fast. My brain is working fast so good. boy. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my. The Finns actually regard their country as home of dear old St. Nicholas, who we will actually be discussing a lot in the next few December episodes. Before I begin, I really want to thank Mina of the True Crime Finland podcast because she unknowingly helped me a lot with the pronunciations. 
And as I've said before, a lot of things get lost in translation, which I really had to use for this episode, especially when translating via Google Translate, because that's all that I have. So I kind of used her a lot. Her, She has an episode that covers this case as like a fact checker when I was translating my articles, since she is a true Finn, she is a local, she can obviously fluently read the language. Highly recommend you guys listen to her pod. Oh, while we're speaking of, Jess from Asian Madness gave our podcast a shout out, you guys. It was a true fangirl moment for me because I've been a huge fan of her podcast and almost shit myself when I was casually listening. Obviously, we're a few weeks off because we record in bunches, but I had almost shit myself when she gave us a shout out and she ran our promo. So thank you, Jess of Asian Madness Podcast, my fellow Asian. I was so ecstatic. Yeah, we'll link her podcast in the show notes. Yes, it is very good. If you're looking for, but Jess covers specifically cases from the other side of the world, from the Asian continent. So I think that that's very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Highly recommend. Let's get into it. Christmas Day of 1960. Like many of us all around the world, we consider this to be a time of gathering with family, cozying up in front of a good old Yule log, and having a joyous time opening gifts in front of family. It's like, that's beautiful. I know! I was like, let me set the time. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait for Christmas. That's what started going through my head. Unfortunately for the Saran family, during this particular year, there were different circumstances that led to them not all being able to spend the holiday together. According to Finnish true crime YouTuber Anzu Lasellis, I probably butchered your last name. I'm really sorry, girl. Who is another Finland local I used as a resource? She states the couple Penti und Hilka Saren had had their five children taken away from them earlier that year. Anzu goes on to state that the children in Finland are typically removed from the homes of their parents, usually due to the death of a parent, but more often they're removed when there is a history of substance abuse or domestic violence. Unfortunately, both of these were sadly present in this home. Once removed, children are often placed in care facilities or with foster families. Even though removed, there isn't always a guarantee just like here in America, that the new situation is going to be better for the children. It wasn't uncommon for foster families to take in displaced children for free labor or out of the financial benefit that housing these children comes with, which I feel like isn't uncommon here in the States as well. Out of the couple's five children, their oldest, Seppo, lived with a kind foster family actually close by who treated him well and let him walk home to visit his parents often. Hirka was a very loving mother and frequently wrote to Seppo. In Finland, most families typically celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve, actually. Hilke knew her son would be celebrating the holiday with his foster family, so they had wrote back and forth to one another and made plans for him to visit them afterwards on Boxing Day. They wrote for him to very specifically visit on December 26th. Since he would visit every now and then, it wasn't unusual that he actually ended up stopping to visit a day early. No one knows why he made this decision to come a day early, but he had asked his mother if it would be all right. According to a true crime detective article by Michael East, 13-year-old Seppo and his friend would trudge through the freezing cold Finnish winter and arrive to the cesarean home on Christmas Day, one day earlier than planned. I think he expected his parents to be shocked, but pleased. What a present surprise, after all. Upon arriving to the small wooden home in the forest, immediately after entering, Penti, Seppo's father, quickly stepped from the kitchen and locked the door behind him. I did a little doodle of the layout of their home that we'll post on the Instagram as this part gets a little bit confusing without context. Is there not a drawing somewhere? Mm -mm. I tried to find one, but I was like, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to try to follow very closely the drawing. Or the, the, what you're saying. A cute little cutesy sketch. There is my doodle. So wind closet is storage. Sorry. Here's a doorway, door, door. So you have to go through the kitchen to get to this wind closet, which will come in handy later. But so this is the living room where the boys walk in, their father's exiting out, shuts and locks the door behind him. I don't know why the wife sleeps in the fucking kitchen, but she does. Her bed is there. Uh, Because it's 1960, I don't know. So Penzi was surprised by the boy's early arrival. And after recovering from what seemed like an unwelcomed surprise, he said to act quite normal after he simply explained to his son that Hilka had gone out while he was asleep and he didn't know where she had gone. However, despite Penti claiming all was well, he watched the boys really closely, never leaving them unattended, and Seppo couldn't help but notice his father's knuckles appeared to be scraped. Later that evening, when the boys had to retrieve blankets for the night, which is where my doodle will come in handy, Penti was forced to unlock the kitchen door, so he had locked it when he exited, when the boys first arrived, so that the three of them could get to the wind closet to get the blankets. So they gotta go 
mm-hmm. through to get the blankets. When the boys commented on the fact that there were no lights, Penti told them that the lamp was broken. Despite the darkness, they could see pots and pans and others junk that normally sat on top of the disused oven was spread all over the floor. Now this oven is an old brick and it, there's still pictures of it up because it's still there to this day. It, it's an old brick like oven, like a mortar, like I guess what us now fancy people would put a flatbread in, but the backside of the oven entirely goes to a different room. Yeah. And then the, the steam and smoke comes out the other side, but in your living room, you're going to have so this brick mortar thing. It's like in between like the kitchen and the living room. Yes. Like, and there's like a wall that like a wall. goes right in the middle. Yeah. Just so to paint a picture. It's like having like a, a fireplace that's on like both sides of like a kitchen yes. and a living room. But exactly. it's, it's not a fireplace. It's a oven. Oven. Yes. Yep. It, that Exactly. Okay. Yes. His father explained this away by saying he had been cleaning. Seppo would later say he knew in his gut that something was wrong in that moment. For all the years that they had lived, they had never used the oven. It was always covered with junk. Sorry, I started to laugh. They're not thinking of him cleaning i'm just thinking like if my father was like oh i was cleaning the oven i would immediately red flags fucking yeah. everywhere because like, you you don't clean what yeah and how many yeah. years that i'd known this man he never fucking cleaned so i'm imagining that Seppo kind of felt the same Seppo's friend perhaps feeling extremely uncomfortable <laughs> left earth that very first night Seppo would stay for a few weeks only for his mother to never return. According to a Strike the Truth article published in 2022, it would be just one month later in January when a neighbor would actually file a missing persons report. They would claim that some strange happenings around the home were going on, including Penty opening all the windows to air the place out, despite it being in the middle of winter. They noted a strange smell coming from the chimney when the fire was lit. No. Uh, I know. And even noticed that Penty was digging a large hole in the backyard, which again is strange in the harsh Finnish winters. You can't dig in the ground, dude. In yeah, the it's like winter. permafrost. Yes. It's like tundra. It's like shoving your shovel into a fucking ice block. sidewalk. Yeah. It's, it yeah. makes no sense. <laughs> that sound. The thought of the sound of like the a scraping. shovel on a sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. It hurts me. Makes me want to die. <laughs> but no trace of Hilka was ever found. Both neighbors and friends stating that they hadn't seen her since before Christmas. Police searched the house, noting nothing suspicious, and as the weeks became months and months to years, everyone began to believe she truly must have left in the winter and suffered a tragic accident out in the elements. So who are Penti and Hilka Seren? I couldn't find much information about their backgrounds or where they came from or how they got together, and after checking with the Finnish locals that I used as resources, Anzu and Mina, I was relieved to find that they too couldn't find much information on this either, so... I just want to make sure I wasn't missing anything for you guys. Hilke Helevi Seren was born November 1st of 1927, and she had actually lived her whole life in Kokimaki. She was orphaned as a young girl, and reasons as to why I could never find. But she did end up living with her grandparents and growing up under their care. When they passed away, they left her the small home, which is where she would eventually raise her own family. It's never stated anywhere exactly like I said how her and Penti met. I'm just assuming that they grew up in the same village, and there's... Only around 100 people, so you most likely just know everybody. He was seven years older than Hilke, and just a short five months after they wed, in January of 1947, Hilke gave birth to their first child, Seppo. So, Interesting. Yeah. The math ain't so, nothing. Kind of assuming that they got pregnant in that. Shotgun wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Over the course of the next six years, they would go on to have four more children. It's also never stated how or when exactly Pente became violent. But it was well known by the time of Hilka's disappearance to everybody in the village that Penti would frequently beat his wife, seemingly to need to assert some type of control over her. Which I feel like is the trend for all abusers who physically abuse. Because like that's that's why my father beat us, yeah. was to have the that, control to instill why, fear. That's and, why the, yeah, that's why so, they do it. Right. Most so of the time. Not all the time. Right. Right, right, right. So it is said that Seppo says he he didn't beat the children themselves, but anytime the children were gifted anything by friends or family, or even had a small inkling to experience joy, Penthi would go out of his way to destroy the gifts. Nice. Thanks, dad. Yeah. An avocado. Thanks. Thanks. Smashes it to the floor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Or whatever they say in Finnish. <laughs> Seppo goes on to say he doesn't remember the family ever being very happy. And if there was violence, he doesn't recall seeing it. 
However, this was disputed by someone who lived in the home with Hirokan and Penti when their oldest son, Seppo, was only two years old. It's not clear if this was just a tenant or a family member, but he did end up staying with the family for just over six months in 1949. He would say that the house was small enough. I mean, look at it. That was it? That's a whole house? Yeah, that's a whole house. There's a basement, but it was just for storage. It was like a dirt dirt floor oh, nice. basement. But okay. yeah, no upstairs, no nothing. It's just that. Oh, okay. I was like, where's the rest of it? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, they have four kids and two adults in that five. little- Five. Five kids? They had five kids, yeah. Oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> no thanks. Oh, I wouldn't want to live there by myself. That wouldn't be enough room. He would say the house was small enough that you could easily hear the going-ons in the other rooms. I mean, you're basically uh, in one room, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> Saying you could often hear Penti beating his wife and Hilka's desperate pleas for him to stop. The tenant would describe Hilka often fleeing from the house, trying to escape his beatings, and sometimes she was successful, but other times Penthi would catch up to her and drag her back into the house and continue beating her. Penthi was a bricklayer, so you can just imagine how strong this man was, and to use that against a woman is terrifying to me. Yeah. Later, when friends and neighbors were asked about how at what they heard or they could have witnessed, they described Penthi as a raging alcoholic who was cold and beat his wife just for the fun of it. Basically, everyone in this village knew this man was beating his wife, and when they would try to talk to him about it, he would come back with, it was his business, if he wanted to discipline his wife. Mm, nice. Uh, Sorry, oh. I had to pause there, because that's what my father used to say, it's my business, what I do with my kids. Like, ooh. Actually, it's not, because it affects all of us. I so. know. Like, I remember one time he spanked me in Walmart, like, pulled down my pants and was spanking me with my underwear, and somebody walked up to him and they were like, hey, um, is she okay? And he was like, it's my fucking business what I do with my kids. Yeah. Penthi was very controlling of his wife. He controlled where she went and who she saw. Hilka was not allowed to have any money and any money he did allow her to have had to be spent on himself. Namely alcohol. Wow. <laughs> what a deal. What a guy. That's a great deal. If Hilka... <laughs> Here's some money. Oh, but we're hungry. Get me some bows. Please, sir. May have some more. May have another. My good God. If Hilka had obtained any money through her own means, such as small jobs here or there, she had to hand it all over to her husband. Pente would only give her money to run errands, i.e. groceries, booze, the necessities, you know. But he would always calculate the change and beat her viciously if it wasn't all there when she got back. There was another incident where the couple were out shopping together and Hilka had the audacity to buy the children and herself some clothes. <gasps> How dare she, right? Yeah, what? Jesus Christ. No loud. I'm sure his rage on this occasion was that she was again spending money, his money on quote herself and their children and not for him and his alcohol addiction. When they got home, Penthi was furious and beat her and threw her around all over the house and shoved her face in a bucket of feces. <gasps> no. oh, yeah, I don't like that. Another time he grabbed her by the throat and threatened her with an axe, which he chased her into the next room, either due to him being in a drunken rage or just pure luck. Penti actually missed Hilka and chopped a large chunk out of their bedside table. Penti was said to keep an axe under their marital bed and would often tell Hilka that, quote, he would kill her in a way that no one would ever find out what happened to her, end quote. Dun, dun, dun. In another seemingly normal evening, the couple were eating dinner together when Penti had an outburst and stabbed Hilka in the arm. Sorry, I'm not laughing at the act. I'm just, it's so unprovoked, like... Yeah. I'm just picturing myself eating soup. This man has mental and, illness. Yes, I'm just picturing myself eating soup and then like stabbing me in the arm like, you fucking bitch! When asked about what caused this outburst later, he simply stated she was chewing too loudly and eating like a pig. Oh. What the fuck? It's like those women that's like, your breathing is annoying me. That's what it makes me think sometimes, of. Sometimes. It's annoying. It is. <laughs> Do you stab Nolan in the no. arm? I was like, does Nolan have no snores at night and i oh, just yes. like i just nudge him i did buy some earplugs so that helps sometimes oh it's like zach snores like a fucking demon and it, i can hear him over my earplugs so much so one time i was so sleep deprived i plugged his nose and covered his mouth and i was like just let go just let go and then he's like <laughs> and then he's like what are you doing and i had like bloodshot eyes and i was like i'm tired shut the fuck up <laughs> on another occasion the rag that was used to clean his boots was missing, and as Hilka tried desperately to find it, when she failed to do this in a timely fashion, Penti beat her 
with his fists and then kicked her while she was already laying defenseless on the ground. At another time, he dumped a pile of firewood on top of her and told her to pick it all up. And after she bent over to start picking them up, he smacked her shin with one of the logs and then continued to beat and humiliate her. Once he was satisfied with the pain and suffering he had caused, Hilka was left to clean up the mess he had made. Each of these events build up and become more and more escalated to the point in 1958, it was inevitable that the children be removed from the home. So by the time of her disappearance, they'd already been out of the home for two years. I'm sure in Penthi's eyes, Hilka was to blame for this as well. She just couldn't do anything right for him. He saw her as being lazy and just a complete failure. On more than one occasion, she had fled to a protective shelter, but for whatever reason, she would always come back to Penthi. This unfortunate decision would lead to Hilka's death. This woman had to live in constant fear. And I can tell you from personal experience, it is very tense and stressful, never knowing what's going to set this person off, never knowing when the next beating is going to come or what's going to trigger that. Hilka was only three, 33 years old. She was only three years old. I was like, whoa, damn. <laughs> Jesus. I'm a little concerned. She had six, five kids at three years old. No. Hilka was only 33 years old when she would disappear. Her oldest son would never give up on her, though. According to my Finnish crime story article by Zach Sultan, Seppo would continue to visit the family home every once in a while, always looking for clues as to his mother's whereabouts. Always trying to keep an eye out for anything that had changed. He'd check the cellar, the home's land, the outhouse, anything of change. Some things he found odd was a large pile of sand that had previously been in front of the cow shed had suddenly disappeared, and he couldn't put his finger on it, but something seemed off about the oven. Something in his instincts was telling him that his father had something to do with this. I have suspicions that my father knows something about my mother's disappearance more than he has told. He has clearly disassembled the stove and then laid the bricks back on again. Before this, the stove hadn't even been used in seven to eight years. Father was cleaning the house in the dark, even though there was light in the next room when I arrived there. I think the stove should be disassembled. My father can do anything, end quote. Which remember, he's a bricklayer. Mm-hmm. So he would know how to dismantle it and then reassemble it yeah. and make it look pretty seamless. However, police never took notice. They never took his letter seriously. One year later, he would write again, only this time to a local paper under a secret name. The title of the writing that was published in a magazine said, where do they disappear? I suspect my father to be a murderer. That was the headline of this article. Damn. Seppo wrote about how he thinks his father has murdered his mother, but he changed the details and dates of the story. Later, when Penti read this in the local paper, he called his son immediately and told him, quote, let's just mind our own business, end quote. So your first thought is not to call the paper. You immediately knew it was your, like, that's where your brain goes to. You immediately knew it was your son and you called up your son. Like, that to me points to, you know, that the boy was contacted, who is now a man because of the letter. At the same time, he got to read the interrogation material related to the case. They contained a lot of unfounded rumors circulating in the locality that Penthi had indeed beat his wife to death. Small discrepancies between the accounts gave confirmation that the boy's suspicions could be grounds for a more detailed investigation. 12 years. It took 12 years for investigators to take a deeper look into this case. When investigators poured over all the material and started cross-examining the rumors and Seppo's letter, police were able to obtain an order to disassemble the brick baking oven. Oh my god. Are you ready? No. Yes. (laughs) No. Yes. We're going for it. Penty was taken to the police station while they worked in the house. After police dug about one meter down or three feet for us, they exposed a mummified head. When they continued digging, they found a foot still in its boot and eventually a whole body. The body had been found inside the back part of the oven. And this is where my doodle will come in handy with her feet meeting up to her head. So she was in half. Yes. Completely covered in sand, which essentially mummified her body. And when you look up pictures, like people have drawn crude little drawings of her in the oven. They just draw her as I'm sitting right now. Like just sitting there. But in the investigative report, it says feet meeting head, which to me means folded folded in half. Yeah, she's like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Exactly that. that. Gabby almost put her foot behind her head. Yeah. But yes, exactly. That's what I'm picturing. Folded in half. Not because... In the drawings, she's just like chilling. Yeah, like how your I'm chilling. Feet are by your head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So she's in the back part of the oven. Mm-hmm. So like, like in... this is the part you bake on. Yeah. And this is just like brick, I guess, decor where the steam comes out. She was in this part. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. In the oven. She was completely covered in sand. Yeah. Which was in front of the cow shed, which essentially mummified her body. The corpse was then moved to Pori, the regional capital 
where Seppel would later confirm the corpse as that of his mother. Pensi was immediately questioned by police. However, he would claim in both the interrogations and to his own fucking children, that bothers me the most, that he knew nothing about how Hilka got to be in his fucking baking oven. How did she... Did she just slip and fall in there? Like, I don't understand how you yeah. don't know or how you claim to not know. You right, fucking right, know. Right. We know you know that they know. Everybody yeah. fucking knows. Everybody knows. Everybody fucking knows, Penthe. So, okay, never mind. I'll, I'll let you continue reading. I have questions. I have questions. If I had a goddamn dollar for every time I fell in my oven, I'd have no dollars. In court, Penthe did not want a defense attorney, even though he was assigned one. In the court's opinion, he was unable to protect his interests and rights by himself. Throughout the legal process, Penzi denied his guilt completely. At one point, he said that gypsies had broken into his home around Christmas of 1960, but that theory was rejected right from the start. Numerous witnesses told how Hilke had complained about the beatings and injuries she had received when she was dying. The woman had been to the doctor numerous times because of these injuries. Neighbors would even come forward, stating Hilke had come over to their homes many times to show them her fresh wounds that Penthe had dealt her. Between April and December of 1960, the year that she went missing, the man had borrowed 75 crime novels, all of them related to murders, including the murder of his wife. Like, including... Ugh, I just... It's fucking... That's a lot of books. Yes! What are you studying for? To fucking put her in the oven. Literally. They'll never know. They'll never know. Woman in my oven? How would they know? Wasn't me. Yeah. The court in Kokomaki considered that the husband had not caused Hilka Seren's death on purpose and sentenced him to eight years in the punishment room for aggravated assault. What? Can you fucking imagine? No. No, I can't. I can't because people are in jail for ever. for, For fucking weed here. So I can't imagine that they just go to. In the punishment room. Punishment room? What does that mean? Like, I'm picturing, like, with a I'm nice picturing bed and, a daycare. And like, pull- I'm picturing... <laughs> Finland, let us know! Is it an adult daycare? Are there pillows I'm sure there? prisons are. Like, in Sweden and, like, Scandinavia, the prisons are, like, rehabilitation centers. Oh, yeah, that's what I... Yeah, I'll get to that. But they really, truly, in Finland, they believe in true, true rehabilitation. So they don't have the death sentence there. Yeah. They also don't have true life in prison. Because any person who, quote unquote, gets life in prison gets 12 years max, I guess. Oh, Which nice. is annoying, but okay. The man only had time to serve a year because the Kaku Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court acquitted him on the grounds that the cause of Hilka's death or the manner of her death could not be determined. And manslaughter or accidental death charge could no longer be sentenced after 12 years. Because when they did the autopsy, they couldn't find any definitive, like, cause, cause of, of death. death. Yeah, there were no, like, strangulation marks. There were no... Like, yes, there were bruising and, like, damages to her body, but they couldn't determine what exactly led to her death as opposed to, like, the regulatory beatings she had to endure. Very frustrating. So they acquitted him. And Hilke's husband returned to the vacant house, which was already falling into disrepair, and he lived there alone until his death on August 1st, 1986. There are even a ton of photos of people who have gone and explored the abandoned inside of the home. And he continued to live in the home where he had known his wife was in his oven for 12 years. Then he continued to live in the home with the oven dismantled as police had left it and everything until he died 14 years later. I just like, this man very clearly does not have a fucking conscience. Like, it's mental illness, isn't it? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) my man, you truly have no fucking soul. And he was a bricklayer. He could have just put it back together and like... He just left it be un... Dismantled. <gasps> fallen apart. Yes. He left it as they the police oh, had left it. That's what I think is creepy. That's super weird. You like, how can you live... I mean, it, He's, you can't sit in your... Recl- I'm picturing, like, somebody like my grandpa, like, sitting and watching his his tunes, his, his Tom and Jerry. Oh, yeah. You can't sit in your recliner and read your favorite paper and, like, look over and you see a dismantled thing and you're just not phased. That's fucking weird to me. Yeah. Sociopath. Bizarre. Maybe, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I just think it's weird to look at it day in and day out. The incident has been recorded in the police records as an unsolved crime because her manner of death could never be determined. In this one picture, Seppo and his sister Sajia are laying flowers on their mother's grave, and it really is moving. They'll never get justice for their mother or get concrete answers. 
Hilka was only 33 years old when she was murdered. Neighbors can last place seeing her just a few days before her son was supposed to be visiting them. She was asking them for advice on how to make Christmas porridge, which in Finland is a cute Christmas Eve tradition. They eat this special rice porridge for breakfast on Christmas Eve to like kick off the celebrations, I guess you could say. I think her children were the highlight of her life, truly the only thing she had to look forward to. Because when examining the body of Hilka Seren, they couldn't find her cause of death for her, no obvious signs of trauma that would result in death. This is arguably one of Finland's most famous murder cases to date. And although the perpetrator has never officially been identified, I think just like the OJ case, it's pretty goddamn obvious who the fucking killer was. This and the OJ case, I guess, just goes to show it doesn't take a goddamn rocket scientist to pull off a murder. You just need a judicial system that either wants to look the other way or doesn't want to do the work. I think that this is a hugely famous case because it started as just a missing persons case. You know, villagers saying, oh, she probably had had enough and left him. But then to find out that her son was right all along, he wasn't crazy. It's just that no one would listen to him. She was in the fucking oven. Horrifying. Absolutely. That's fucking horrifying to assume is one thing but then like to have it reconfirm oh god and by famous i mean strictly in finland because i'm a huge true crime fanatic and i have literally never heard of this case until looking into my 23andme results and wanting to dig into cases from where my paternal grandparents came from because my my grandpa who claims to be 100 percent norwegian <laughs> he's a little bit of like finnish and a little bit of sweet yep yeah, yeah swedes and he was really outraged with that. What? but anyway what that's a lie so yeah, so that's why how I stumbled upon this case. But why is this not talked about? This is absolutely insane. Like one of my Finnish articles from Heijevik even ends their own article by saying, quote, while everyone knows that OJ Simpson killed his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson and her friend, Ron Goldman, it couldn't be proven in a court of law. And as such, he also remains officially innocent, end quote. Yeah. To which I have to say, fucking disgusting. Whether you pay your dues up here, my friend, or down in the fiery place, trust me, your day will come. There will be a day where the truth comes out. It always does. And that is my choice for this week. The horrific events that led up to this poor woman's demise and a psycho that essentially got away with it and a hoarder's home that continues to sit there and attract tourists and looky-loos from all over. Damn. Okay, I'm ready for your questions. Oh, my question was basically gonna be like, did they ever figure out like what the cause of death was? But clearly they did not. No. Uh, it's still technically he was able to mummify her. Unsolved case. The thing, the problem that I have with like the them stating mummification, like if she's in sand, wouldn't she be preserved? So like you yeah. could fully cut her open and like would her inside still be good or just the outside uh, part? That's a really good question. That's what I'm wondering. Like, I'm wondering if they, once they got the body, they tried to do an autopsy, but because the it insides had been were not great. so, she had been dead for so long that oh yeah, it's like past the point of like yeah, there's nothing Damn. obvious. There's no obvious breaks. There's no mm-hmm. skull fracture. No whatever enough to be like that's what that's did it. what it is. Yeah, yeah, because it could have been a poison thing. It could have been a, you know, not something not obvious to like the body. Yeah, damn. You know, isn't that fucking crazy? That's an insane murder. Yeah, I'm like, just like what the fuck? You just fold your wife up in a little oven. Oh god! And like, think if I'm so scared if like Seppo and his little school friend, if they had come, like, yes, they came a full day early, but like, what if they had just been like an hour or like two hours? earlier than what they had come because they had to trudge through the what i'm imagining is a really harsh finnish winter would they too have been put in the oven like i was i thought the story was gonna be that he he would kill his kid he killed the kid yeah Yeah. trying to figure out have no conscience that's my mom that yeah that he's still hoping for his mother to come home that's fucking oh that's so sad that's fucking sick yeah i mean i am part swedish so i was like hey that's like pretty close it is yeah it'd be cool to do a swedish story too at some point i do want to look into that yeah now i'm really like entranced with um now that we heard back or that i heard back from one of the founders of our missing indigenous women cases i'm like deep in the thick of the sauce of the mass murder of indigenous boarding school kids so You guys have that to, unfortunately, maybe probably not look forward to, but look forward to because it's a double whammy. Indigenous case and a kid case all wrapped in one. It's not good. So I'm thick in the sauce of that. That's really captivated my 
spare time lately. And Gabby will be presenting that case, so that'll be exciting. Yes, I will be. That'll be cool to do a Swede case, though. Swedes, when I think of Swedes, I think of clods and clogs and chocolate, like and <laughs> peaceful people. So it'll be really interesting when I like do some more digging. There's and, like, that dig one the show crown. on Netflix. Oh gosh, what's that? The Swede guy who had all his victims fall in love with him. What's the guy's name? Was it a Swinder Tindler? No. Okay, that's this is a. Uh, Was he this... like a con man? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I... Not the Tinder Swindler. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm literally talking about the guy. Um, well, you look up that. I'll let our Netflix listeners show. know. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence in Finland, I actually looked up the resources. You can call Nasty Linja at zero eight zero 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 two four zero zero. Nastin Lajinya is intended for women and girls of all ages who have experienced violence or a threat of violence. You can call or chat. All contacts are confidential. And then there's also another resource, which is a nationwide free of charge helpline for anybody who has experienced violence or a threat of violence in a close relationship, which is Nola Linja at 080-005-005. And of course, as usual in the show notes, when we talk about domestic violence, we'll of course, plug in our U.S. nationwide phone number that you can get help at and our specific Minnesota helplines. So there is help for you. There are people who support you. You are not alone. This is not a weakness in admitting that you need help sometimes. Agreed. Okay, I found it. Um, it's a <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, oh! Clark. Clark. The, the, like the, the case that invented the term and yeah, like made psychologists well, realize. it's not just one case. It's like a guy. So it would be like a Whoa. story about... Um, Send it to his me. name? His name is Clark Olafson. Um, oh yeah. My God. Stockholm syndrome, where basically, like, he has, like, he commits crimes, but makes his victims like fall in love with him and trust him. Ew. So yeah, it's it's a Nolan and I watched. It. It's a very interesting show and concept, just like the whole. You know, and you're like in your psych class and you're, you know, psychology and all that fun stuff, right? So Swedish, crime, right. psychology, all the things. All of the I'm things Swedish. Sophie likes. Great. And she knows <laughs> that I like that. Um, I was just putting, okay, wait real quick. I want to show you. So Hell I'm going you. to stay up all night researching Swede cases. <laughs> but like I've said this part many times before, I have our next nine episodes already typed up slash written out and scripted. But these are like all the cases that I want to do, and like oh my god! And then I cross off, and I in my little I call it my murder book. I'm obviously not a Dexter keeping track of people I've killed because I've never done that. But she's just keeping track of the murders we talk about. Yeah, I'm just keeping <laughs> track of murders that we talk about, and like a lot of indigenous like cases or like German wow. cases or like dang like today. This was today when I was connecting the dots, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to connect the dots, but. That's when I told you, I was like, holy fuck, I've connected over 500 children that are tied to yeah. Canada's... Sweden. Sweden and Norway are like... Next to each other. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, yes. My grandfather was... over by Italy and... Do you think that Norway and Sweden are like Minnesota and Wisconsin and yes, like Ohio is... and Michigan? Yes. Do you think that's why my grandpa was so outraged? Yes. Now I have to confront him about that the next time he calls me. Hey, Somebody grandpa. was canoodling. Yeah. That shouldn't have been canoodling. <laughs> he was so pissed. God. Uh, yeah. I'm only like 5%, but it counts. Yeah, I'm like 15% Swedish. Oh shit, that's a good chunk. Yeah. I found out my Oma was canoodling on my mother's side. Oh no. Because I'm very squarely. We, we say it as like, oh no, but guys, we're kidding. Oh, it's, no, it's hilarious. No. It's great. Oh no, no, no. Um, I already knew the women on my mother's side are hoes. Oh my God. Apple don't fall far from the tree. Oh, I'm God. past that now, but I'm just saying. Anyway. I'm very squarely like 22% Chinese, but so I guess my grandpa's because he was a Chinaman. He uh -huh. was Chinese. He was pretty, pretty almost full-blooded, I guess. Yeah. But my mom's side. So I just found out that I'm a little bit of Thai and I'm a little bit from Madagascar and a little bit. Yeah, it's really Bro, cool. my face just now. That's crazy. It is fucking crazy. I was like, where the fuck is Madagascar? That's next to Africa. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was like, you might as well just text me when you're like, Gabby, where is where is this country? Where I'll is something? You. I'll tell you where it is. And Filipino. There we go. Oh, 
I, on my mother's side, I am partially Filipino. Yeah. Mostly Chinese and Indonesian because I'm 35% Indonesian. Um, And then 16.9 Chinese and then Taiwanese and Filipino was thrown in there, which I was like, that's cool. That's really cool. So yeah, so it was very. And then what's the rest? Interesting. Uh, My white half is 13% German from specifically Hesse, Germany, which I got to call my grandma out on that because she was like, my family is from Frankfurt. And I was like, clearly not. (laughs) They are not. (laughs) 2.7% is broadly Northwestern European. Yeah. Okay. I I was like, I don't know what that means. Just white. 5.5% 5.5% is British and I, oh my God, Gabby, I am Irish. <gasps> oh my God. I'm like 60% that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's like the majority of my family. Oh God. That's my biggest chunk. And then I'm 14.4% Norwegian and then 14. Shut point- the fuck up. I'm 14.4% Swedish. And 14.4% Swedish. What the fuck? <laughs> no way. Shit, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Uh, oh my god isn't that fucking weird grandpa my grandpa's probably like it's an upwards of norwegian <laughs> it's 28.7 percent norwegian that's so, crazy yeah. but i didn't know that i was thai i didn't know that i was Khmer. i didn't know i was filipino i don't know if your mom knew that uh, yeah she probably didn't but we don't talk so she'll never know i guess unless she listens unless she listens yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So I'm like oh, yeah. 80% white. <laughs> cool. 80% white. I'm like, dang. Um, but I do think it's cool, like what you said. So, like, my European, it ca- even though we are half and half of our mm-hmm. parents, like, yeah. I was, I don't remember who I was discussing this with. I think my pharmacy manager who had yeah. studied genetics before he switched to being a pharmacist. But he was like, even though that's 50.1% from your father's side, and he's yeah. like, and you're only getting 49.2 from your mother. And he's like, that can explain why you look predominantly white. Whereas my sister, she has 52 point something from our mother. Yeah. And then 48 something something. And she looks. Full okay. Chinese. Riddle me this then. Riddle me this. Hold on. I gotta look this up. Me and my brother. My brother Kyle. Has he taken Kyle. 23 and me? Yes. Kyle. Oh, and you're you guys are the opposite, right? Like, yeah, that's what I was about to get genes. into. So I my breakdown is 80% European. This is 23 and me yeah, genetics table, guys. Yeah, 23 and me. <laughs> so I am uh British and Irish, I'm 59.9%. He's 52.6. Um, Scandinavian. What? How did he get, like, way more than me? That's so rude. I'm 14.4% Scandinavian. He's 26.3% Scandinavian. It's. I think it's funny. They go, indigenous American. I'm like, you guys just combined. That's okay. Um, this is, this is, she looks super Chinese. Oh. I wouldn't say she looks super Chinese. She looks kind of like... <laughs> Are you sure? She has freckles, which maybe is abnormal. A, maybe but... a more Chinese, but like I wouldn't be like I wouldn't look at her and be like, "Wow, you're Chinese," you know. Definitely Asian, though. Yeah. Whereas, like looking at me, I just look like a white bitch. I feel like. No, I can see it. You look Asian, though. Do you okay. Think so? Yeah, but for Native American, for me and my brother, I'm fourteen point three percent, and he's twelve point seven. And this boy. But he's got the dark He's got hair. dark hair, dark eyes, dark skin. Just All the features people are like, are... basically people believe him <laughs> when he <laughs> says I'm Native American. And people don't believe me. That's, I was just talking that's... to a classmate about this today. But guess what? I'm 3.7% East Asian. We could be related. I'm Manchurian and Mongolian. So I must be related to Genghis Khan or something. <laughs> Descendant. Also, kind of funny, my brother has Western, Asian, and North African in his... Whoa! In his uh, blood, but I don't... But you guys are full-blooded? Yeah. Very so it just depends on weird. what's passed down. What you're picking up. Genetics are so cool. Because he got the Y chromosome, because he's a brother. Mm-hmm. So the Y chromosome might have different shit in it. Very... That is so cool. Um, and then... 
we both have Central and South Asian. I'm 0.1 and he's 0.2%. And then we both have around 1.6, 1.7% unassigned. They're like, mm, we don't know. Thanks. <laughs> oh, wait, Do you that's have an unassigned? No. One at the bottom in the gray? Oh, 0.7. Yeah. We're like one point, I'm 1.7 where they're just like, we don't really, we, we don't really know. Which is prom, pro, predominantly Malay subgroups for me. Oh. Oh, this is my miscellaneous Asian at camp place. So it says Malay subgroup, broadly central and South Asian subgroup, and then Malaysian. Nice. I've been to Malaysia. Fun. Interesting. Um, yeah. So there you go. There you have it. Everyone has their DNA. That's um, genetics table, table talk. Yeah. So that's why we get so interested in some of these stories. And, yeah. I wanted it you know, certain to places. Be, yeah. It's Mike. He's just like white. He's predominantly German. Yeah. Jaeger. Jaeger. Yeah. Yeah. Jaeger. 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 Yeah. Jaeger is very, very German. With the Jaegermeister. <laughs> with the A-E spelling, that's very German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, cool. And he said he's Irish a bit. Yeah. He missed out on this episode, so we won't fucking know. Yeah. Um, but anyway. But the person that we had before, Gabby joined on and for medical life she was predominantly irish so i was looking into like a lot of irish cases so i think even I am before still, I love yeah, yeah, yeah. Irish. you are still irish but now my switch my focus to like and i know that it is possible to have quote unquote too many advocacy things but i feel like yeah, child abuse still just still and talk, indigenous but we people still like, are like talk about random yeah, yeah, yeah. stories but I, you know yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. have to be like like it's great that we have like the goal of doing that mm-hmm. once a month for each thing Mm -hmm. but i feel like i want to spread us too thin but like i do think that these are really important issues to both gabby and myself i'm not indigenous but it is important to me having a best friend who is native american that this be brought to light so thanks yeah awesome well that's that's what that's the reason i was talking about it i was like i think it's cool to dig into like cases from where our ancestors came from because i don't know any fucking finish Stuff. direct people yeah, yeah, yeah. that i'm related to. <laughs> yeah so i thought that, that was cool yeah like, i don't know culture. anybody like in sweden or like yeah. england or ireland or you know whatever so top of the mountain to you hey. so awesome you're partially you know descendant from a certain part of the world and you want us to dig into a case that could be something interesting or if you're one of our lovely lovely foreign listeners we have listeners from uh, Deutschland. We have listeners from Espanol, from Spain. We have listeners from England, from not Australia, but I don't know why. Please listen, Australia. Australia, get on the map. <laughs> um, we have some people from. I thought it was. We have cool. Indonesia. Yeah, we have um, some of my cousins are listening from Jakarta. Oh my god. Um, cousins. Hi, cousins. I have like forty-two cousins on that side. Oh jeez. Whoa. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Wherever you're Foreign from, listeners. send us, send yeah, us, send us some, some suggestions, stories, or just being like, hey, like, I would love to hear a story from Kenya blah, blah, blah. or from Egypt or from, oh, that'd be so cool, you know, Turkey or, you yeah. know, whatever, yeah. whoever, wherever, wherever you're from. So, yeah. Um, or mysteries. It's really hard to find spooky shit from other places. Like even yeah. this Larnick Castle, that was like one of the few things that I could find from New Zealand. And I feel yeah. like New Zealand's a pretty good chunk of land, so. Pretty decent. Pretty decent to have like spooky shit going on. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, any stories that you want? We had a listener from the last mini from Virginia suggest a mystery to us. That guy who died twice that we'll probably do in a future episode. (laughs) Things like that. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. We will talk to you on Monday. Stay spooky. Don't be shitty. Bye. Bye. Gabby, where can they find our podcast? You can find Sophie's Choice Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you like to listen. Make sure to follow and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. Email your spooky stories to Sophie's Choice Murderies at gmail.com and make sure to like and follow at Sophie's Choice Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. All our links are in the show notes. We'll chat with you, Murderies, next week. Stay spooky.